Man, we've been pressing for this day for whoa, a long time. My name is Kerry, and I'm the lead pastor, and you have been in our prayers. If you're new, especially this morning, uh, we are excited to have you here. Thanks for accommodating sort of a little bit of the craziness that's happened with uh, so many of you showing up as our guests. And uh, I am just thrilled, along with the rest of the staff and the leaders and some of the core of the church that's been on a journey, that you chose on a Sunday morning to come out and to worship Jesus. Jesus changed my life when I was a younger kid. And I've been on a journey with him all these years. And there is nothing better than to know Christ. We have um, been called the Awakening Church. And some people say, where does that name come from? Um, it was interesting. I remember a few years ago when we were rebranding and doing some stuff when we were at our location, and I asked ask a guy who is a big church time guy in Southern California, and uh, you got to understand, I'm from the Midwest. I've been here for six years and from Indiana, and I asked him, I said, if we named a church The Awakening, do you think that that's an okay kind of name? And he looked at me and he said, Carrie? This is Southern California. You can name a church anything you want to name a name. <laughs> but the reason we chose Awakening is because we want you to be fully alive in Christ and to his mission. And that's what we're about every week, whether it's here on a Sunday morning or during the course of our gatherings and life groups or interactions and hanging with one another. You and I were made for a purpose, and that purpose was to be in a relationship with God. We're going to expand on that whole idea by beginning a series here this morning called Real Relationships. And I'm going to um, invite us to pray. And uh, I might take the handheld here, Josh. And uh, we're going to just commit this time of a new beginning at our grand opening and a new beginning of a series and maybe the new beginning in your life the Lord. Let's pray. Christ, we thank you indeed that you have become for us hope and salvation. Across this room here this morning are gathered people from all kinds of walks of life, different seasons of their own spiritual journey. Lord, may we be one big family here today as we seek to love and serve you we pray, God, that we would dig out our ears to hear not from me, but we would dig out our ears to hear from your Spirit's voice. Your Word says that wherever two or three are gathered, that you are in our midst. And so, Lord, this is not a production. It's not even a big service related to a grand opening. This is a time for us to draw near to you because you are in our presence. And whether this Sunday, tomorrow, the next week, the next month, we ask, God, that you would become more and more real to us through your Son and through your Spirit of your Son, who is in our presence. In your name we pray. Amen. So, real relationships. Any of you in a relationship? We, grounds level in life, we're all human beings. And as human beings, we have relationships. We are made to be relational beings. And so as we begin this series, 
real relationships, I just thought I would try to be as real with you as possible concerning relationships in my life. And to do that, I need to introduce my wife because she'll tell you the real deal as it's going on with me. <laughs> Melissa, would you come? Would you welcome my wife, Melissa? I'm so used to standing down here. So Melissa has been my partner for 20, oh boy, I can miss this, 28 years, yesterday. (laughs) And with Valentine's Day, I always thought that would help, getting married close to Valentine's Day. It does, except, guys, if you're close to Valentine's Day, you need to celebrate both Valentine's Day and the anniversary. You can't combine them. I learned that early on. No cheating me. And so uh, we have been so buried in the push to paint and build and, and clean and so many of you as well that it just blew by yesterday, our anniversary. So, honey, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. <laughs> So I want to share with you a little bit about our journey relationship-wise. My wife, Melissa, is seven years younger than me, which you can probably tell. And um, we met back when we were young adults, and it was an on-again, off-again journey. For five years. Yes. Because I was rather indecisive, and I thought she was rather young, and she didn't need to get settled down too quick. I was 29 at the time. I was 18. No. No. At the time we got married. That's not good math. No. (laughs) No, when we met, you were 24, I was 18. There you go. Originally, the first time I met her, yes. And so, just because it's real relationships here, right, hon? You can let all these people know, not how much of a loser I was at times, but I was taking my time. And so she finally said to me, I'm out of here. I'm done. And so we were on again, off again, on again, off again, that kind of deal. And you went somewhere. Where would you go? Well, we were in Indiana. Um, I was a college freshman, and Kerry took his first pastoral position as a career and college pastor. So it was a little scandalous um, that he would be dating a freshman. Uh, But... uh, (laughs) We just need to keep moving, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, he was taking way too much time, and I was ready to make a decision about our relationship. So I took off from um, Indiana, and I, uh, after college, and I went to uh, the East Coast to become a nanny. She went to Greenwich, Connecticut, and I said, well, it's okay. And I remember a phone call that we had, and on that phone call, I felt God was bringing me to a place that said, I'm ready. I believe you're the one. And on that same phone call, which I still don't know how I misread that phone call, Melissa said she was done. You waited too long, dude. (laughs) And I'm like... And both of us were seeking and following God. And I'm like, God's working in my life, man. We're ready to go. And she says, God's working in my life and not. (laughs) I'm like, God, that just doesn't make any sense. So 
she went her merry way. We didn't talk for six months. And um, that was at her request, and I was going to wait. And so six months went by, and then I got the courage again to call her in Greenwich and go, hey, I think I got some graduate classes to continue to work on out at seminary. And fake I didn't news. know. I, <laughs> fake news. I was going to, because my seminary was out there close to where she was. And I'm like, would you go out for lunch? And so we went out for lunch uh, or dinner, I forget what, and it went really well. And she agreed to see me the next day because she said, I'll just see you once. And so the next day we took a train and we went down to Central Park in New York City. And it was a great day. Hadn't talked for six months. My parents a little iffy. Her church family, she got to be very part of out there. It was a little iffy about me, all these kinds of things going. I was like, what's this guy showing back up for? And I'm like, okay, mom and mom, dad, because he's going to go to the East Coast. And, and we hadn't talked for six months. We're in Central Park by the roller skating rink. Any of you been there? Uh, I'm not roller skating, the ice skating rink. And uh, sitting on a hill, beautiful summer day, and I pulled a blade of grass, and I put it in a circle, and I turned to you. And I said, will you marry me? And you said, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So happy anniversary of this journey. Now, I just want you to share a little bit. Um, uh, briefly here, um, God did a work in your life, and God did a work in my life. How did you see that playing its way out, and why there was a rightness to that moment? I have some uh, baggage from my childhood um, that wouldn't have been good to take into a marriage, uh, but God did a healing um, in my life during the my young adult years, and. Uh, I thought that I needed him, um, needed you to fulfill something in my life. But during the time when we were separated and not talking those six months, God did a great work in my life, and I realized that I only need Jesus. And um, I needed to learn that I could live without you. And I needed to learn that I couldn't live without her. (laughs) It was just so incredible how God had worked in our hearts. But I think that's the baseline for us. And really what I want to share today as we just sort of launch this series is there's something far more important than our earthly relationships that have to be in place in order for us to have real great relationships. And that's our relationship with Christ and God. Right. You have anything else to share with these folks where you sit down? She's got a lot of kids and a lot of rooms around here. I'm the children's ministries director. So yes, that's why. <laughs> so, thank you, honey. How many of you have been married more than 25 years in here? Can you give these people a hand? That's great. So I'm going to tell you what's up. Here's my bottom line. I try to be as practical as I can, but we're also going to challenge one another. And here's the bottom line for today. It's this. If I can get my little remote here to work. You good? I don't know if I can get it to work. There we go. 
The degree to which we receive what God has given to us determines the degree to which we are able to have meaningful, fulfilling, and real relationships with ourselves and with other people. There's three relationships I want us to talk about in this series, and they're pretty straightforward, and it's these. The three most critical relationships you have in your life are your relationship with God, number one. Next, your relationship with God, believe it or not, the most important relationship you have is your relationship with yourself. And the third is your relationship with others. Now, so in a a relationship series, you're thinking, well, where are we going to go with this? And if you're married, that was really nice to hear about how we got engaged, those kind of things. Maybe if you're single, dating somebody, that sort of helps. Or maybe some of you are single and like, uh, is this going to be some marriage series? Or maybe you're single again and you've gone through some really challenging, tough places in life. Maybe you are a parent and you really do not know what's going on with your teenage son or daughter at the moment. Maybe you're a new mom and you're just, ah, how do I relate to the toddler kind of deal. Maybe you are in a conflict issue with a friend and you need some resolving of that tension. There's all kinds of relationship issues that are going on that are represented in this room. And if I had you come up here and share, you'd be able to take the time and interact and, and you, would, you would have a story to tell as well. But this is where we're at with this. The idea for us to have real relationships is that we must have an appropriate understanding of this order that's listed behind me. That your ability to have great real relationships with others is directly dependent on your ability to acknowledge what you have received from God and what you are continuing to receive from God. Because we cannot go horizontal in our relationships until we have a vertical relationship. So as we walk through these weeks, we're going to be looking at different kinds of relationships. But foremostly, as we launch today, we're looking at the relationship that you and I have with God. And there's a couple scriptures I want to take us to as we walk through briefly here today. The first is out of 1 John. 1 John 4, 7 says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Where does love come from? It comes from God. Did you know that God is a highly relational being? You and I are made in the image of God, Scripture teaches. So if we're made in the image of God, that means how we interact and relate is part of his imago Dei, the image of God. And so we can look to him not to go, well, you're clueless about how to deal with the relationships here because he's a relational being. In the beginning of time, always has been God has existed. And if you doubt if God exists in life, I'll just ask you right now, well, then who existed before God, before everything came into being? God has always been, as they sometimes say, God is the uncaused cause because if somebody caused God, then that person or that thing that caused God would be God. So In the eons of eternity, God has always been. But who he has been has been a relational being because we believe in the Trinity, as Scripture unpacks it. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and they are relating one to another. And this word here, the Bible that we have, beautifully beautifully portrays how God lives in community, the community of the Trinity. And when you see God sending his son, Jesus Christ, to walk among us, to identify with us, saying, hey, I've been there. I had some tough relationships when I was walking physically on the earth. 
God gave his son and his son related back to the father. And then when Jesus ascended back to the heavens after the resurrection, they said, hey, hang on, hang on. We're going to send the third person of the Trinity, which is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes to commune and interact with us as we relate to God. And the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is always working to bring glory to God as Jesus was as well in fulfilling his will. So God in his essence is relational. And in his relational essence is deep abounding love. If you're interested in getting to know God, then you're interested in finding out what love really is. Now here's the situation. A lot of times in our world, we do not think of God as love. Do you have a good concept of God? Or do you have a sort of warped concept of God. If I ask you what your picture of God was like, would it be somebody who was an all-loving supreme being who was endeared towards you as you are maybe towards your firstborn when you first brought life into this world? Or would it be somebody who sits in judgment? Watch out there. Hang on. A policeman. Or somebody that's a killjoy. It's like, ah, oh, stay away from that. Maybe it's somebody, hey, it's a celestial vending machine here. Yeah, whatever, whatever. What's your concept of God? A guy by the name of A.W. Tozer said, what comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And so we find in 1 John 4, 7 that God is fill-in-the-blank love. You can't get any more supreme, more genuine, more powerful. So if you have a concept of God today, maybe you haven't you know, been checking God out recently and you came because of a social media ad or a friend invited you, I want you to know the person you're trying to get to know in God himself, the creator of the universe, the creator of your life, is love. He exists in love and then he sent his son to be able to love and show us what love is. And that's where this first passage, this John, first John passage goes. It says this, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. The three priority relationships, your relationship with God, your relationship with yourself, your relationship with others. To get the foundational basis, we need to understand not only that God is love, but that we cannot fully love others unless we know God who is love. That doesn't mean people that don't know God don't love one another because we're made in God's image, right? But the most powerful way to love other people and experience his love, God's love, is to know him personally. It goes on to say this in 1 John 4. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. You ever been in a relationship where you said, hey, uh, show me you love me because you're not acting like it. I hear you say you love me, but it doesn't appear to be that way. That's a complaint we can bring to God. Well, show me you love me. Where are you at, God? Did you realize what's happening in my week this week? Look at things financially. Look at things health-wise. Look at things career-wise. This is not going, well, where are you at, God? You can always know this, that God loved you so much that he sent his son to die, 
to be raised from the grave, to atone for our sins, to give us a relationship with him. And if there's ever a time you ever, ever doubt God and his love for you, you go back to the story of Christ coming into this world. God loves you that much that he would lay down his life for you. Scripture says, greater love has no man than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, God said, if you do what I command you to do. Those were the words of Jesus. Shortly after he said those words, he did lay down his life. God is love. You cannot love others fully and completely unless you know God. And the God who you're trying to get to know is one who demonstrated his love through what Jesus Christ did in coming, living, dying, being raised from the grave. And you and I can know him. Dear friends, then, since God so loved us, we also should love one another. Pretty simple and straightforward. But I guarantee you, all of you in here this morning, including myself, cannot comprehend how deep and wide and rich and long and steadfast is the love of God. How reckless is the love of God and what he did for us. I like it in this verse. Since God so loved us, so loved us, not just loved us, just so loved us. It's like John three sixteen for God so loved the world, right? It wasn't just God loved. He like so loved the world. Like that little two-letter word just puts it in a whole different stratosphere. He so loved you and so loved me that this is what he did. So because he so loved us, then we ought to love one another. And there is not a conflict or a broken, damaged relationship in this room that is not beyond repair because of God's great love for us. He so loved us that if we grab a hold of that and we allow him to mend and heal our hearts, my wife wanted to tell you about it. She, she uh, came from a broken home. Her father was alcoholic for a period of time. God later redeemed and changed and transformed his life. But she moved 21 times by the time she was 18 years old. That's not a stable home. Her mother's a great saint, but there was troubles and challenges that were in that home. God, I said, healed them. I came out of a very stable home environment. It was hard for me to comprehend some of the brokenness in her life. And she was able to grab a hold of the so loved of God that she was able to move through a lot of the healing and the repair and the, and the encouragement issues started to come and to build a foundation. And it's truly uh, part of our story. I had to learn that I couldn't live without her. In other words, you know, it wasn't that I was distracted and had all these other lady relationships. I was just here, there, enjoying my 20s, going on missions trips, serving God in this point, had a lot of great friends, guys and gals, and, and just a great community, a rich community, like I believe exists here in this church. And I, I was like, well, I, I know that God's working in your life and you need that space. But what God was doing in my life was saying, you have an inability to commit. You're afraid of what that commitment would be. You are afraid that you are going to um, make the wrong choice. You ever been there? And God just said, let it go. You love. And that's what work he did in my heart. The work he did in her heart was she didn't need um, 
some knight in shining armor or however. I, you know, there's all kinds of misunderstandings when it comes to our relationships. And, and one of those uh, biggies, biggies, this is huge. We'll be talking about it more in the weeks to come, is that other people do not complete you. Other people do not save you. Other people are not going to rescue you, including someone you would marry. And if you're just waiting for that right person to come along to swoop down out of the heavenly realms on a magic curtain, I mean, on a magic rug and swoop you up in your arms and, and love on you, and, and in that moment when you meet or when you get married, everything's going to be resolved, you're just dreaming. It doesn't happen because then he shows up in an old beat-up Chevy with a couple hubcaps missing, and you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and instead of that person, like, just really completing your life, they become a mirror. And those things that are broken in your life are going to become reflected in your relationship with that other person if they're not healed by God. And those things that are like small things, you get into a marriage, they're going to be amplified, Right? Other people don't fix and heal you. Don't wait for that perfect guy or gal to come along. There is a perfect one who's come along, and his name's Jesus. There's only one perfect one. And, and he is available. He is available for you to be in a relationship with. And so as you work on this relationship with God, who is love, and demonstrated it through sending his son, Jesus Christ, you grab a hold of that so loved, and he begins, he begins to strengthen you so that you can love others to love one another. It's a beautiful journey to be on. Do not keep God out of the equation of your relationships. If you do, you will be challenged. Your relationship with God, first, you choose to love God. Then, God teaches you how to love yourself. Love you. Some of us don't love... You know, you know what keeps people away from the love of God? A couple of key things, I think. One is we do not think that we are worthy of the love of God. Oh, man, yeah, you my story, man. God wouldn't want to love me. I'm a bunch of junk. That is not true. We're all broken. We fall short. Scripture says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In one sense, none of us are worthy. But God created us and He loves us. And that whole concept of you're not good enough to receive the love of God, throw it out the window. The, the other thing is a lot of times we don't think that... Um, we don't think that the love of God or what he's got for us is better than what we already have. We doubt God. If I really went his direction, loved him, I mean, is he really going to, is it going to be something better? A little new and approved. Friends, it's not a new and approved. It's a totally replaced life. It's radically different. It's something you have not had. We talked about it recently and really sort of planning for this week. We were talking about the whole need for love and for us to be a, a church community that genuinely loves people and don't have, uh, doesn't have a bunch of hang-ups. If we're going to love, then we really need to grab a hold of the understanding that it's the power and the love of the Holy Spirit through our lives that's loving others. And we have to find that love ourselves. Jesus commanded it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then he added, and love your neighbor 
as yourself. Right there is all three of those relationships. You're going to love God. You're going to love others. But I always got tripped up that love others, your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that sort of egocentric? Come on. Come on, God. No, because you have to love you and what God's doing in your life. Each of us are unique. Y'all look different this morning. Nobody dressed alike. You don't look alike. You don't have the same interests. God doesn't create any two snowflakes alike, right? So he doesn't create any two human beings alike. You are individually stamped with his beauty. And to discover that beauty, the whole rooted thing we encourage people to get a part of, it helps you understand how to connect with God, how to, how to uh, connect with others, and how to connect with his purpose for your life. What is that DNA he's put within you? So love God, love you, and then love others. There's a passage I want to just sort of move through quickly as as we close here a little bit. This is probably um, a passage of Scripture that you could unpack a lot. But embedded in this passage uh, is the heart of what we are as a church community as it relates to relationships and loving God. It comes out of Ephesians 2, and it says this. Ephesians 2 states this, as for you. So if we're going to look at you and loving you, then let's talk about this for a second. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you. Now, that's a pretty heavy subject, right? Sin means missing the mark, and all of sin. We've all missed the mark. And so God, through the Apostle Paul that wrote this letter to Christians in Ephesus and around that area, he basically says, as for you, come on, wake up, come to me here. Remember you? Remember you before Jesus did something in your life? Or maybe you're in that place now, he's like, well, that's sort of really where I'm at. And remember you? Remember you when you used to live Fill in the blank for me. And maybe it's not filling in the blank because you're looking back. You're filling in the blank this morning. says, yeah, I remember me, and boom, there's how I fill in the blank. Paul says, as for you were dead, you were spiritually flatlined in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live. And then he lists three things here, and these are sort of uh, heavy-duty kind of hitters, but I highlight a few of them because this is what we battle with every week. In which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the kingdom of the air, the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another of the air. I, that's a typo there. I'm sorry. The spirit who's now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath or deserving wrath. That's another heavy-duty thing. This is what I want to share for that particular part there. You and I, we have three battlefronts. The world, the flesh, the sinful nature, the me, me, me part of us, and the devil himself. Now, I don't know what you believe about the devil or Satan if he's real, but I've come to realize that he is indeed real. And I want to encourage you that we are interested in fighting on all three battlefronts. 
The ways of the world, we renew our mind, it says in Romans 12. The ways of the flesh that we choose to live in the spirit rather than our sinful nature of me, me, me. And then the whole direct adversarial uh, attacks of the enemy upon us. We battle those by directly overcoming Satan. So when you fill in the blank, as for you, you were. I tell you what, no matter how you fill in the blank when it comes to who you are, the past, and maybe it's at the present, is dealing not with the issue, whether it was a divorce, whether it was a broken relationship, whether it was a, a troubled um, a parenting uh, journey that you were on, maybe there were other career failures, whatever. Whatever you fill in that blank with, behind the scenes was one of these three things working. The world, the sinful nature, the flesh, or the devil. But Paul's saying this in past tense. You used to be this way. You used to be this way. Think about that. You used to be this way. And then he goes on and says, now what's happened? But, but because of his great love, his soul loved from God, because of his great love that is coming upon you and extending towards you, because of his great love, God, who is rich in mercy... I just picture him with a big shovel, just shoveling mercy your way. Mercy. Here's mercy. You get up in the morning, hit your alarm clock, snooze. You get back. He's shoveling more mercy towards you. God, who is rich in mercy, all right? His rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions, fill in the blank. For it is by grace you have been saved. So, the awakening church to be fully alive in Christ and to his mission. Where do we get a lot of that life from? It's from this very verse because that life comes from God. Spiritually flatlined. Maybe some of you are spiritually flatlined today. And you can become alive. Alive in Christ. Alive to Christ and his purposes. And as you get that so loved a part of your life, you're going to be able to see things start to turn in your horizontal relationships. It's because of his grace that you are saved, Scripture says. And then the next verse says this, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Now, there's a lot of theology there, a lot of incredible big picture stuff. But what he's saying is like, get a hold of this. What God has done for you is amazing incomparable riches, his mercies poured out towards you. And then it says this, for it is by grace you've been saved. Didn't he just say that? Was he repeating himself? You bet he's repeating himself. (laughs) Because grace is unmerited favor. There's nothing you can do it. Anybody ever give you something you just didn't deserve? It's like, why are you giving this to me for? Because I love you, I care for you, I just want you happy. That's what God does through Jesus Christ. It is by grace you've been saved through faith you don't get his love fully alive in you. You don't go from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive unless you receive it. And you have to receive it through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You want the love of God? You can't do anything for it. He's loved you from the beginning of time, even when you were in the pit, even when you were 
filling in the blank with all kinds of sins and transgressions, or maybe it's just indifference going your merry way and you're fine without him, thinking that maybe you weren't worthy or maybe he didn't have a better plan for you. God still loved you and he comes to you and he saves us by our grace, but we have to receive it through faith. It's not by works. You can go to church from now until the day you die and sit in a chair and it will not save you. As I sometimes say, I suppose I should change it for In-N-Out Burger today. You can't go and sit in In-N-Out Burger and become a double-double any more than you can sit in this church and become a Christian. All right? Something miraculous has to happen. Change occurs. It's a miracle. You, by faith, receive the gift of God By grace you are saved through faith. He comes into your life. So don't think you have to clean your act up. I think that was true of my father-in-law. He felt that he needed to sort of clean his act up before he came to God. Friends, none of us have our act together. Give your life to him. Let him change and redeem. But you have to be sincere. We are saved by grace through faith. And when he comes into our life, he begins to re- not just rearrange the furniture. He begins, begins to do an extreme home makeover, but that extreme home makeover is a beautiful thing because he so loved us. And then the last verse in this passage, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, foremostly to love others, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And so it's real simple this morning. My challenge as we lead off this series, the healthy relationships you need to have is a relationship with God, love God, a relationship with yourself to love you and who God's making you to be, and a relationship with others to love others. I'm going to give you the opportunities. We close in prayer. We've got a great song. Some of you know the song very well. And we're going to sing. And then after that, we got just a couple announcements about what we're going to do and and uh, have a have a prayer for the food, but um, yeah, if you walked in today, you didn't know it's free in and out burgers for everybody afterwards. Um, so, um, the what we have to offer you is something far, mo- far, far more than food that only lasts for a moment. We have the grace, love, and the power of Jesus to offer you to forgive you of your sins, to take a spiritually flatlined life and make you alive in Christ. It's nothing unique to this church. There's a lot of great churches in this valley. But we seek to faithfully steward the life-transforming message, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And today that gift is offered to you. His reckless love. Not by works. Grace. Through faith. If you'd like to receive the love of Jesus Christ and have him lead your life, one of my biggest challenges in life was I didn't think that God had something better than what I had planned for my life. (laughs) I thought if I gave him my life, he'd make me do something like be a missionary in some foreign country where I didn't want to be, and I'd probably end up marrying somebody I didn't didn't think was a great-looking, sweet, beautiful, loving person. I don't know where that came from. Lies of the enemy that God doesn't have the best for you. He does. I relinquished control. I invited Christ into my life. 
I said, I want to know your love. I want to love others. I want to be able to love myself, but I need your love. And by grace, through faith, you can receive his gift of salvation this morning through a simple prayer. And then on the back of your connect cards, there's a way to mark that commitment of faith and and to grow in that faith and how we can follow you up and encourage you. But I'm going to give you that moment before we close with the song. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, across this room, I don't know where individuals stand in their journey with you. Maybe they've been walking with you for a while. Maybe they're in a different place. Maybe they've doubted that you even exist. But through your spirit who is here, I pray by the power that comes from the heavenly realms and the power wherever two or three are gathered that in your name, that we would experience your love. And those individuals who need to cross that line of faith and receive you in their life, that they would do so by praying this simple prayer. Dear Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for showing me your love by dying on a cross and being raised from the grave and sending your spirit to be with us. Jesus, I don't understand it all, but I want God's love. So I pray right now that you would forgive me of my sins. I repent and turn from my transgressions and sin, and I turn the other direction, and I now turn towards you. Jesus, come into my life to be my Savior, to be my leader, to be my Lord. And from this day forward, as best as I can, by you enabling me, I will live for you. It's real simple. Pray a prayer of repentance. Pray a prayer of receiving. Receiving Christ. And they pray a prayer of sincere obedience to seek to follow him. Your ability to love others is directly related to your ability to receive from God his mercies new every morning, his unbounding grace, his so loved heart. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you invited Christ in your life where you have an interest in knowing where to go spiritually, you got some questions. I love to answer tough questions. We claim that Jesus is the answer and he has to have a answer to the questions we have. Just mark that on the back of your Connect card and we'll seek to follow up with you. But I'm going to invite you to sing this song. The ushers are going to come to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings. And I want us to sing this song with a heartfelt act of worship and then we'll pray and get ready for the food afterwards. But uh, his reckless love is incredible. So offering your Connect cards in the basket, we're good to go.